Welcome to Technically Speaking, the official podcast of ETC, a consulting engineering firm serving property managers and building owners for over 35 years. Now, please know, we have no hidden agenda or affiliations. It is our obligation to serve you as your trusted advisor, and we take that responsibility very seriously. But not too seriously for today's podcast, as we share fun stories and information from the challenging construction world. So sit back and enjoy as we discuss helpful ways to correct all kinds of building problems. Here's your host, Joe Shuffleton. I'm here today with Nick Hen. He's a structural engineer out of the University of Maryland. It has 14 years, over 14 years of experience. And Nick is a unique individual because he has literally devoted his career to looking at buildings and evaluating structural integrity issues and then solving the problems that come up here. Uh, Nick, thanks very much for coming with us today because I think this is a topic that's right down your uh, alley. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. So let me set this up a little bit. We want to talk about structural integrity of buildings. For many years, we've gotten into discussions with building managers and owners about the structural integrity of their buildings. When we do this, there are a number of things that we need to discuss with them so that we can do what they want. The first question that generally comes up in in anybody's mind is, what is structurally sound? Nick, when you talk about this, what's the first thing you think of when you you think about structural soundness of a building? Yeah, structural soundness of a building uh, means that we don't see signs that it's obviously in danger of collapse or, you know, there's structural issues that would cause us alarm at that point when we look at it. And it does take a lot to cause a building to collapse. This isn't something where, you know, one little leak in the building is going to cause it to collapse for the most part. Yeah, um, typically we're looking at for something to happen, like an extraordinary weather event, uh, hurricane, tornado, floods. Um, you can get a lot of damage from those or a geological events, such as an earthquake or a sinkhole that happens. Um, the other things that can come up, you can have a fire in the building that can compromise a lot of well, structural integrity. And it's you, know, you can have damage to wood, wood frame as well as concrete and steel, depending on how the temperatures get and where the fire occurs. That can cause a lot of structural issues and uh, cause the building not to be structurally sound. Uh, vehicle impacts happen. Um, you know, I've, I've looked at buildings where a car has landed in, on a roof of a, of a one-story structure in a, a um, high-speed chase situation with the police. So uh, they had to condemn that building until they were able to uh, get that um, put back together. And then, you know, things like terrorism obviously can cause a lot of structural damage to a building. Sure, a bomb, act of war, those types of things. Yeah. The the other one I want to talk about is severe overloading, which can occur, you know, a number of different ways. And I think it's important to talk about those because we've had buildings in our area partially collapse, slabs collapse because they were overloaded with construction debris and and things like that. I've had issues where I've had damage to slabs because people have overloaded the slabs for various things. Either they're putting a lot of heavyweight material inside or they're putting a lot of heavy things on balconies that cause the slabs to start to deflect excessively and can be problematic. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that a lot where... And it's something that we're always considering when we're doing projects, especially a lot of roofing projects. You've got buildings out there with ballast on the roof. Uh, to get to the roof membrane, you have to move that ballast. And to 
do the work efficiently, you want to clear as much space as you can, but that you don't take the ballast off the roof. You just move it around the roof to different piles. So it's always something that we look at to see how much we can put in a certain area of the roof, uh, you know, and we'll end up with piles all over the roof uh, to spread out the loads and make sure that we're not overloading um, the slabs and when we're doing that work. But the, you know, we see it a lot you know, moving soil around. There's a lot of um, a, a lot of buildings in the air, especially in this area where you've got parking structures and um, other you know, portions of the building that are underground and you don't see it and they have terraces and stuff. And so somebody will start doing some work on that terrace, moving dirt around or moving equipment around and it, the slab's not meant to take that load. Um, so it might look like, you know, it's just ground when you're walking by the building, but there's a whole, you know, several stories of building underneath of it. And you got to make sure that you're accounting for that when you're doing the work or, or moving equipment, even uh, heavy trucks and that kind of stuff, fire trucks. Um, those things all can overload a slab if it's not um, designed properly, or it's also if, if the maintenance has fallen down on it and, uh, you know, caused it to weaken and maybe not be able to withstand the load that it was originally designed for. Yeah, severe overloading in our area can occur for a number of reasons. More recently, we've had a couple because of some heavy snowfalls have partial collapse or total collapse of a roof structure. And we've also had instances where contractors that are doing repairs to underground or concrete garages, they're storing all that debris in one place. And that, especially if they're storing it on a deteriorated section of the slab, it could fall through. And we've had a couple of instances of those in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean... It- and I've seen it even in like foundation walls and stuff. If you don't have, if, if you have a, a lot of water built up in the soil outside, they're not necessarily, I've seen foundation walls push in and collapse because it's not meant to handle the, the water pressure along with the soil. Um, but you're always, you always see stories of a roof truss cracking in, the, in heavy snow and um, those kind of things. I think it's important to talk uh, just for a second about the fact that with all of these events, whether it's a hurricane or a flood or whatever it is, the chances greatly increase of having a failure if that building has some construction or design defect built into it. Now, you may not see signs of that outwardly before the event, but that event stresses the structure, puts a lot of stress on the structure, and causes that to become an issue. Yeah. Obviously, we want to assume that everything's designed the way it needs to be. It's built the way it needs to be. It's going to work the way it's supposed to. But the fact is that um, you know, somebody may have misjudged the amount of reinforcement that was needed in something or the connection may be too small. Um, and that's while it would, the building would stay up in normal conditions when you put these extraordinary events or even, you know, just, you know, kind of a high, maybe you get a, something at the 20 year storm level instead of a 10 year storm level, it it may cause the damage to the building because of that defect. Yeah. The defect doesn't become a big problem with most storms, but then you get something out of the ordinary and it's enough to cause, you know, some serious problems. Now we also have the situation where a collapse or, you know, serious things can occur just because of years of neglect. Now, again, this isn't something that's going to be a one-shot thing where you have a leak in one place and then you you worry about the building collapsing. But years and years of water intrusion and and things like that can can cause a building to collapse if they're not taken care of properly. Yeah. um, Obviously, 
if you neglect anything, there's a higher likelihood that it's it's going to have issues with it, whether it's your building, your car, or, uh, you know, what, whatever you need, need to do typical maintenance on. The building's no different than that when you're looking at it. So um, there's all, if, if you don't do it, it raises the likelihood of these issues popping up. So uncorrected water problems, uh, deferred maintenance or repairs, things like that, these can be factors and can lead to the collapse of a building. But again, it's one of those things that it's usually going to take many years for that to happen. Um, Now, we also have unsafe conditions around the building. You want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, so, you know, we've talked about what could be an imminent collapse or unsafe or structurally unsound uh, issue, but... The unsafe conditions would be if a piece of the building is going to fall off. You've got brick on the outside. You've got concrete for balconies. Um, you've got railings and stuff like that. They can all have issues that lead to unsafe conditions on the building and could be a life, you know, a life safety issue um, that would need to be addressed. You don't want concrete falling from a ten-story building and hitting somebody down below, or even falling on a car or something like that. So. Yeah, it can cause serious damage and injury. I mean, I've had, I've been involved in jobs where we've had to shut down the sidewalks in front of a building because of that exact thing. Yeah, it's, it happens more often than you like to think. A lot of people, you know, are going about just looking at their, walking down the sidewalk, looking at what's right in front of them. They don't look up at the building to see what's actually going on on the side of the building. And who knows what, what could fall off sometimes. But if you are looking down and you'll see little chunks of brick, it's kind of a giveaway. Maybe you should be looking up. But yeah, that, maybe you go to the other side of the street if you see that. So one of the things that we always ask the people when we're, they're asked to determine, we're asked to determine the structural integrity of the building is do they currently have any deferred building repairs or maintenance? Right? Yeah, you always ask them that. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, if, if I'm called out to a building because somebody wants me to come look at it, well, what do you already know that you have issues with? Um, somebody, if if you know that somebody looked at your garage three years ago and you and there was bad concrete in it, then there's, if you didn't do anything, there's probably still bad concrete in there. Um, so that's always what we look at. And those deferred conditions can result in weakening of the structure if they're not addressed. Yes, that's, I mean, that's always what I ask about when I'm looking at any building. So what's going on in the building? What do you know that are that is problematic and things that you need to do? Uh, it's amazing how people put things off, though, and I'm, I'm, I'm shocked sometimes to hear how long people are letting things go before they finally want to do something about it, and they just have to be pushed, I guess. I don't know. So, all right, so now you've gotten through that. Now you're walking around a building. What are the telltale signs you're looking for? Uh, so absent, like the stuff you can't control, you don't know when a fire is going to happen. You don't know when an earthquake is going to happen, but you're looking for cracks and other signs such as, um, you know, just debris laying around and that kind of stuff, um, that could be a sign of, of some movement going on in there. So cracks are a big deal. I mean, yeah, they're very big telltale sign that something's not right. Now, maybe it's deferred maintenance. Maybe it's a design defect. Maybe it's a construction defect. You know, who knows? Right. And the problem is that there's cracks that occur that could mean nothing or they could be a big sign of something. So that's why it's important to have a professional engineer look at it for you. Yeah. I mean, I've been called in over my career to look at I want to say hundreds, maybe thousands of cracks in drywall, especially drywall ceilings. 
and so many of those are just cosmetic in nature, but sometimes they're an indicator of some real problem that, that uh, needs to be addressed. So it is, it is a telltale sign that we look for. So what are the other things that you look for, indicators of building problems when you're doing this type of thing? I look for water intrusion. Um, obviously, we, we try to keep water out of buildings, and when it gets into the buildings, it's usually causing a problem. Uh, staining, um, you can see evidence of water intrusion um, from staining. Uh, it gives you areas to look at if you're not seeing active water intrusion. The building, a lot of times people will complain about the building making a noise. They'll say in the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning, they're hearing creaking or moving around and that kind of stuff. So that's always something that we uh, ask about. If there's sagging, uh, tilting building components, we'll check doors and windows to see how they're operating. To you know, it's, If those don't open and close properly, that can be an indication that there's something going on. Um, and then if if multiple repairs have occurred at a certain location, that's typically a sign that there's something going on there. I mean, I've I've gone to buildings where they've had a a crack in their masonry facade that's gotten three inches wide over time, but they just keep putting caulk in it. So nobody thought that that was an issue. So they're not fixing the problem. They're they're putting a band aid over it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's stopping the immediate complaint, but it's not figuring out what the solution is uh, in the long term. And then if, if there's movement in the building, excessive swaying or people report, you know, some bouncing or like excessive deflection and stuff like that, that can be a sign of, you know, that's something we would want to look more into. A number of years ago, I went to Ocean City to get on the 20th floor of a 20-story building when a hurricane hit. I was dying to see how much sway there was in the building, and it was several inches. I mean, the the chandelier um, lighting above the uh, dining room table, wow, it looked like a pendulum. It was it was really cool. And you get the same kind of indication on a bridge and other things if you ever stopped on a bridge uh, on your car. Buildings do move. So when we're talking about swaying, you got to understand, excessive swaying is, a, is an issue, but there is some movement in buildings, especially the taller buildings, that's going to come about no matter what you do. It's, it's designed to take that, and you know what's going to happen. Let's go back to this noise thing, because I do like, and I've had several clients comment that uh, uh, I like to listen to a building, and I do. I like to hear what the building is saying and things. I've had some of the same circumstances that you had. In fact, we worked on one job where you came in afterwards, but I, I got involved initially because the people at the top floor of the building said that when it was windy out, they were having banging in the middle of the night. And that's when the winds came. That's, quite, that's when they were home to hear them is at night, not at, during the day when they were at work. And sure enough, we went up to the roof and found out that uh, they had changed the roof system up there. And it's an unfortunate situation that the people who put the roof on didn't understand what they were doing. And so the, uh, literally the side of, or the, the edge of the building was lifting up in the wind and coming up and then slamming down, back down in place. Um, it, noise can be a big indication of something. I was at another property one time that I like to talk about where the building engineer just grabbed me by the arm and said, come on, we're going to the 10th floor. They've been complaining about noise all morning. And so I said, wow, well, that's kind of interesting. Let's go in and take a look at that. In a concrete frame high-rise building, middle of the building. We went in and sure enough, there was a contractor in there with an electric drill chiseling out a column 
because in the renovation of the unit, they wanted to put a pass-through between the kitchen and the dining room, and this concrete column was in the way. They hadn't gotten approval for doing anything, but they were in there taking the column out. So noise can tell you what's going on in a building. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> the other thing I like to ask people is, when was the last time your building was really inspected? Do you want to talk about that for a second? Because I know you get involved in that. Yeah, so when you ask people this question, a lot of things they say is, oh, we had a reserve study done last year, two years ago. Somebody came out and looked at it. But that's typically not a structural engineer coming out and looking at your building for the purpose of determining if there's any structural issues. It's a cursory look of all the building items, uh, siding, you know, to brick, windows to to give you guys a quantity as to what you need to budget for replacing those things. But it doesn't talk about if you have an issue now, what you need to do to repair it. Yeah, the reserve specialists do a wonderful job uh, doing reserve studies, but they're really not structural engineers. And they're looking at the building to try and figure out what it's going to cost in the future to replace this and fix that and do those types of things. And even if they see a crack, they're not going to be in a position to, de- to determine specifically what's causing it or what need to do. They may say, well, you need to investigate the crack. If they see it, they may say that. But they're really looking at the building from an entirely different perspective of what is it going to cost to replace the windows and replace the roof and, you know, do, do the replacement and repair work that they're going to need to do for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Right. So, I mean, then where do you go from there? A good inspection from a qualified engineer would typically be performed. You know, there's it's based on a, a, several items like how old's the building? Are there other issues going on? What's it's be, what is it being used for? Um, probably one of the biggest things is this location. If you're out on the coast, you're exposed to more severe weather typically than if you're an inland building. Um, if you're an older building in an earthquake zone, you may want to look at it more frequently because you know the the requirements for a building today versus what they were 40 or 50 years ago are not the same, but you're still going to experience the same earthquakes. So you want to make sure that, you know, if something happens that you're as protected as you can be from that. Or if something did happen, you want to make sure that it didn't damage your building at that point. A lot of older buildings in New York City, and I know you, New York City has a requirement that the facades of the buildings be inspected regularly. And I, I don't know if it's every one or two or three years, but there is a procedure for doing that. And the building department makes sure of that. Likewise, down in Florida, um, they have a, a recertification process for older buildings that they require engineers to come in there and take a good look at. But I, I wouldn't wait that long. I mean, I would always tell clients that you know, at least every one to five years, you should have an inspection done by a structural engineer beyond your reserve studies just to see what's going on and make sure everything looks okay. You'd agree with that, I assume. Yeah, and, it, you know, from a, doing it on a routine basis, it doesn't really take too long to go through a building and see these items. And it, it, I mean, if there's something, a huge, if there's a crack or something like that, you can pick up on it just pretty quickly walking through things and say, hey, we need to look at this a little closer and figure out what's going on. And, the, and so what would we do is normally the first step is to do this initial or general preliminary inspection. And I always recommend that the, the management company provide their management reports about problems, that they provide us with any reserve studies or engineering reports and building plans so that we can see what's going on and, and uh, you know, get a, get a feel for what's going on in the building. What would you do next? Um, you know, once we have that information, we review the, you get the history of 
of that work. I would then talk with, um, you know, building staff, people that are on site to try to get a feel for what, what they've been seeing on the site, what their concerns are, if they know of any current leaks, if they, you know, a lot of times they can give you history of repairs that were done over the life of the building. You'll find a lot of these places have people that have been there for 10 or 20 years in some cases, and they can, they have more history than you could imagine. You know, they can say, oh yeah, we, you know, we looked at this 10 years ago. We looked at it five years ago. We never did anything about it. So I've got one client whose building engineer has been there 39 years. So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's got the first guy you go to. He's when the you first go. guy you go to because he knows so much. But sometimes, you know, the, the management people is, you know, they've been there two months or a year and they really don't have the history and they don't have a lot. But at least you go to them and talk to them and find out what building complaints they know about at that time, whether it be leaks or air intrusion, whatever. Yeah. Then you go on and really do the inspection. Yeah, then right? we would do our visual inspection of the of the building. Um you know, just do a look around just to see what everything, how everything looks, what we can get into, um, gar- underground garages, balconies, look at the facade with binoculars, see if you can identify anything. You may not get on all balconies. I mean, yeah. you, you, but you want to get on a representative sampling of the balconies so you can see what's going on. And binoculars from a good vantage point can tell you a lot. But right. getting on it and being able to tap the concrete when you're out there or move something around and feel, you know, just rattle the railings and stuff like that. It's always been a big help to me to get on there and do some of those. Right. And then we would take that and look at the evidence of issues that we're seeing. Like if, if we see a crack, we'd maybe open up the wall a little bit to see what's going on behind it um, or do some excavations. If it's an issue that extends below grade, um, you know, we can come back and then, do calculations on stuff if it's a issue with floor sag or you know whatever but kind of you know you walk up to the building wall you can't tell what the interior the construction of it is so you have to you identify those areas that are issues that are potential issues and then you dig into them a little farther just to see what's really going on behind it and how that can can play and if you've everything. got cracks or bulges in the masonry wall, they need to be repaired. So it's a good way to sample to see what's going on in there. You've got a bad bulge, you know, a, a displacement of the brick. You need to put it back so that it doesn't fall. You might as well sample it. Yeah, and I mean, I've been involved before where we find an issue. We look at the drawings. Everything looks like it's designed correctly. And you take the wall apart, and it wasn't built anything like what the drawings say. So that's where your construction defects come in. I mean, it was designed right it looks like it should work. Uh, you check it. That's the way it should be put together. But you go out there and it's nobody. everybody ignored what the design was. And the only way to know that is to take some things apart, unfortunately. Yeah. We also will take samples if it was necessary to determine strength and composition of, of various items, particularly concrete. Uh, and we can perform water testing to make sure we identify the probable sources of water intrusion so that they can be corrected so that they don't cause any more problems. So that's, that's kind of the follow-up to the initial inspection. When we see something, we have to go into it a little bit more to figure out what's going on. So you get all that done, and at the end, you give them what they're looking for. Yeah, we give you a report with our findings and comments and recommendations for any repairs. So, so hopefully it's a clean bill of health. Yeah, that's the process we go through to make sure your building is structurally sound. And I thank you again for joining us today. It's been very helpful and incisive. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back soon on another topic. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Joe. 
Thank you for listening to Technically Speaking. To learn more about ETC, its engineering and building envelope services, please visit our website at www.etc-web.com.